Welcome to Ask of Expert, helping business owners, managers, and professionals thrive in the world of modern work. Here's Polly Craig. Today, we're venturing deep into a topic where some people feel like they're a natural and others want all the help they can get. That's the topic of leadership. Let's paint a picture to start things off today. Imagine what would change if you increased your leadership effectiveness by 5%, or how about 10%? What kind of impact would you be able to have? What would it mean to your success? This is a question that you'll find today's guest asking his clients, president and founder of Cantera Leadership, Ben Duick. Ben is so passionate about developing leaders, he went and got a Master's of Arts degree in leadership. He's also a certified Gallup Clifton Strengths coach. He facilitated countless workshops and loves being part of helping leaders grow their personal journeys. Ben is also the host of a podcast called The 10-Minute Leader, which I've actually had the pleasure of being a guest on. It's great to connect with you, Ben. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here, Paulie. That was quite the introduction. I really appreciate how you talked about my passion for leadership and the work that I'm doing. You just couldn't have put it better. Well, I've never heard of somebody being able to get a degree in leadership. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So that was around 12 years ago. I could actually almost measure it to the day because when I started my master's degree, this is a little bit of a side story, but it's an interesting one. I actually missed the birth of my second child because I was doing my first course, which is an on-campus course. And it just so happened that halfway through the course, I got the phone call and said, uh, you should come home now. And so in the taxi cab on the way to the airport, I got the phone call. It said, you have a brand new daughter. And so I missed the birth of my second, second child because of it. But anyway, a master's degree in leadership. Yeah, exactly. The idea of getting a degree in that 12 years ago, it wasn't very common to see those degrees available in different universities. More recently, if you look now at universities across Canada, at least, they are available more often than what they were, or they are kind of become a, you know, a narrow focus of study for some degrees that already existed. Like I know there's MBAs that, with a leadership focus uh, now that you can find. But yeah, 12 years ago, that was kind of a niche degree. And so I was looking at what I wanted to do in my career and in my professional life and there's kind of two reasons why I looked at this degree. And one was that I'd always been put into these leadership roles. And I often felt like I needed to get better as a leader and what, how to do that more effectively. And maybe it's a little bit extreme to go get a master's degree in leadership just for your own leadership. But that really was a filter that I was putting it through because I wanted to be the best leader that I could be. That was a piece of it. But in the back of my mind, and I didn't share it with very many people at the time, but I had a dream that one day I would be able to be a leadership development consultant and coach and I wanted to be able to equip myself to do that. And it took about 10 years after I started the degree until I officially launched the business I now run, but it came to fruition and, and I really enjoyed the degree. So, you know, you help people in this area. Is it something that can be taught? You know, you always think of leadership, you have to be a people's person or you have to have a certain style. What are the components that you can actually help people discover on their own? Do they have to have certain traits? That's a fascinating question. And you mentioned it a little bit in your intro, kind of the idea is leadership, something that is nature or nurture, right? The age old conversation, is it something that comes naturally or do you need to learn it? And I I believe that it's a little bit of both, that some people have a little bit more of that natural leadership ability. And that could be sometimes misunderstood as being, hey, this is a people person. And so they have this influence to direct people in certain ways and and to influence them. And really, in many ways, leadership is all about influence and how do we influence others. 
And some people more naturally do that. But I also believe that regardless of someone's natural leadership ability, that everyone can take steps in how well they lead others. I always like to point to a study that was done by Gallup, a company that out of the US that does a lot of work around, well, they do a lot of polling work. Most people know them for the polling that they do, but they also do a lot of work around leadership development, business development. And they did a study back in 2008, I believe it was, where they surveyed the average person and they asked the question, what do you expect from your leaders? What do you want from your leaders? So they weren't talking to celebrities. They weren't talking to people who have already been famous leaders or anything like that. They were talking to normal people, however you want to define normal. And they captured those results and they came up with four leadership principles that I think every leader can strive towards. And the four leadership principles are trust, compassion, stability, and hope. That's what people want from their leaders, those four characteristics. And so that's one of the things when I'm talking to leaders, I, I, I talk about that. You know, How are you building these into your leadership? How are you building these into your organization? And it's a really fascinating question to ask people because the principles themselves aren't rocket science. It's not like I've just shared with them principles that are going to be completely brand new. It's kind of sometimes, oh yeah, that makes sense. Those four principles make sense, but I have never thought about using them intentionally or, or trying to integrate them intentionally. And that's where I think the, the growth can happen with anyone. So when you talk about the four characteristics or principles of a leader, and that's what people look for, have you tied that to you do a lot of discovery with people who are in leadership roles? Is there an actual connection in your experience to the leaders that you meet that actually have those attributes? I think that what most leaders realize when they hear those principles and they look at their leadership, and this is what I hear back from them, is that they are doing pieces of that already, lots of them, or they resonate with those principles already. But there's a difference between being intentional as a leader versus kind of accidentally leading. And I think that's where the tipping point often comes, where we start to build intentional direction into how we lead. We're not going to be perfect leaders, but when we have that intentionality, it starts to make a difference. Are those the components then that you help your clients with, is how to be more intentional as a leader? Yeah. So intentionality is a big piece of what I talk about with leaders. One of the challenges for people in leadership roles, in any kind of leadership role, is that we're often really busy with working in our business. Oftentimes we view that phrase, you know, rather work on your business than in your business. And I think leadership is a piece of the on working on your business that we often miss out on because we're putting out the fires every day. You know, the tyranny of the urgent is a phrase that's been used. Lots of people don't have time to be intentional with leadership. And lots of people don't even understand what leadership is. Or, you know, how would I be intentional about leadership? Because, and, and that's a fair question, because one thing I also like to say is that leadership is almost more of an art than a science. How do you define leadership? Well, there's lots of ways to define it. We talk about intentionality for sure. What role does consistency play in leadership? You know, you can be intentional and be thinking about, you know, working on your business as a leader. But if you show up and your behavior doesn't model consistency across the board, I'm imagining that that can unwind and unravel these components, you know, trust, because it would be an unknown. Is this person truly authentic? Are they really who they display themselves as, or are they just trying to play the role? Yeah. And to me, that, that's a huge area that leaders need to make sure they're doing well in. And that relates to me to, to that third principle as well, stability, right? When you talk about, you know, are we consistent? I think if we're inconsistent, that's where people start to feel like 
things aren't stable, that our leaders aren't stable, that we don't know what to expect when we're approaching them. So let's say we have to bring a, a problem to our leaders, which is fair, right? We need to bring problems to our leaders. But if you're going to that meeting with that leader, recognizing that you have to share something that's not going to be easy to share or fun to share, and you're like, oh, like I don't know what I'm going to get from them. Are they going to flip out at me? Are they going to be gracious with me? Last time I told them this, they threatened to fire me, right? Like, or whatever the case is, that inconsistency scares people. And that's where that, if they don't feel stable, they feel instability instead. Absolutely. So let's go back to the first one, trust. Trust. Every time, you know, when you ask people, you know, what, what are your values and even your corporate values when you are as entrepreneurs developing a small business and really rallying around identifying what those values are so that you can start to build a culture. Often, I see trust as being one that's included. And I don't know if that's the same in your experience. Maybe you can share that and then dive into it. Well, I think that the reason why it's often included is that usually we're very cognizant of the value of it. If you think of Patrick Lencioni, who, when he talks about his five dysfunctions of a team, the the foundational piece is a lack of trust, right? If that's a dysfunction, if you don't have trust, you're not going to have a strong team. Or the speed of trust, uh, I think it's uh, Covey talks about the speed of trust and how important it is to develop that trust. And that really is the important factor in any business and team development, or even any relationship with a client or a customer, that if they can't trust you, that you're not going to want to be a part of what they're doing, right? So I, I, I do talk to leaders about how they can grow that trust. And a big piece of how you grow that trust is some of that authenticity, right? It's being able to really be honest with some of the things that are going on, some of the struggles. Now, it doesn't mean you share everything, but you need to be aware of where there are opportunities to show that authenticity, show that vulnerability so that people can feel like they are connecting with you as a leader. And it's also just being able to follow through as a leader with what you say you're going to do. So if you have values for your organization, but those values aren't evident to your team members, the trust factor, even if trust is one of those values as well, they're going to be like, we don't trust you. You say that integrity is one of your core values. And yet you just lied to that customer, right? I mean, that speaks volumes when that's not there. So we need to be really consistent with following through with what we say we're going to do. And when we don't hit it, own it. That's tough to do for some leaders. And, you know, tone has to resonate from the top and trust is right up there because it's all encompassing in those areas. And that leads into compatibility. I think that was your, your second one. Compassion. Oh, compassion. Because I thought, oh, compatibility would also be a really important one. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can have different outlooks and perspectives and beliefs outside of the company, but to be compatible. And maybe that just falls in underneath one of the other ones. But let's talk, let's go back to your number two, which is compassion. Yeah. So compassion, I think that if you take it out of the leadership context for a little bit, and just imagine any relationship with anyone where you don't feel like someone cares for you or cares about you. And care can have a lot of different meanings, right? It doesn't need to be like, you know, love, lovey-dovey, but care. And if you don't feel like someone cares for you, all those other factors that we talked about, trust, ability, and hope, even those three, they're way harder. And so that compassion side of things is, am I more than just a number in my organization? Does my leader, does my, do my coworkers care about who I am? And sometimes as a leader, we need to become better at understanding that the care we show is an important factor. We sometimes just take it for granted that, oh yeah, obviously they know that, you know, that I care for them because I'm paying them. We sometimes equate care with just, they have a job and they're getting a paycheck. So isn't that all they need? But really as leaders, we need to be able to look at that and we need to say, no, there is more than that. There is ways that I can show care beyond just signing that paycheck at the end of every pay period. That's an important thing. 
That's a very good point. You know, one phrase that we use often is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Yeah. I think that's so true in whether it's a business relationship or a personal relationship. So I encourage leaders to to think of ways to show that they care for for the people that work for them. And it doesn't need to be you know huge extravagant types of things, right? But it can be the small things that make the biggest difference. And coming through the pandemic we're in, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty in the midst of the last couple of years. There still is uncertainty. So how as a leader, you know, you can send a very thoughtful thing that says, hey, I've been listening. I know what you're interested in. You know, something, let's say you know that someone is a big fan of movies, right? On your team. Send them a movie pass. I mean, depending on if movie theaters are open during that time period or not, right? But or if you know someone likes their, you know, coffee or likes tea or something like that, being able to send something personal to them that helps them say, Oh, my boss, my leader was listening. They understand me. I'm not just a number. And yeah, growing that. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Yeah, we've had a really good discussion, and it's on a past episode with somebody that talked about the five love languages when it comes to corporation and understanding the motivation and behavior of others. And especially it was more in line with employee relations Mm -hmm. and being able to identify and don't assume that one person is motivated the same way another one is and knowing what those languages are and then applying how you as a leader adjust your approach and style to that of the recipient and the person that you are building a relationship with. It was very interesting. Yeah, the five I, love languages is fantastic uh, material. I've, I've used that myself. And uh, the other tool that I use, and you mentioned that I'm certified as a Gallup Clifton Strengths Coach. So that's an assessment tool that can be used as well, which actually I use a lot with leaders around this compassion side of things because it relates directly to what you said about how people are motivated. And so the Clifton Strengths Assessment helps people see their top five strengths. Like what are their top five strengths that you have? And as a leader, when you understand that of your team as to what are the top five strengths that they bring to the table. And these are strengths like, for example, mine, my, my top five strengths are strategic belief, self-assurance, ideation, and futuristic. So it's more in regards to the, they're actually called talents. And then how you convert those talents into strengths is what I talk about with leaders. But from a employee relations standpoint, when you are able to understand what these talent themes are, what these strengths are that your team brings to the table, and you're able to speak the same language that relates to what they want, you're able to understand their motivation, people feel like you care for them in a lot stronger way than if you just, yeah, just do your job. Well, and as a leader, you do actually care, but you have to know how to translate that in a proper way for people to understand that you truly care. And and you've done the research and and you have the experience and you have a master's degree in it. So there you go. Let's touch on the fourth one. And then I want to, uh, I have another question I want to ask you, but let's go through the fourth one of the four. Yeah. So hope. Hope is, a, is a, probably the one that can be 
they're all important, but hope kind of is the one that can maybe move the needle the most on how a team feels and how an organization grows, because that's the inspiring one, the, the hope as to where are we going? What does the future look like? What does our purpose look like? And if you have a leader who's able to do that well and to draw that hope into their leadership, it gives people that extra bit of motivation and enthusiasm to engage at work, to take that next level in what their tasks are. And you're able to start seeing your team and your organization kind of become more cohesive because they're striving towards what that looks like in the future. And that's a really important thing. And that one's a tough one for some leaders because sometimes, again, we overestimate how good we are at communicating what we're hopeful for. If we're a leader, we're very passionate about what we're doing, right? We're very excited about our company or about our purpose or about serving the customer or serving the client. But we sometimes struggle with how to talk about that in a way that draws people towards that inspirational hope side of things. So that's the hope factor. And it really, all of them are, are equally important, but that one I think is the one that really levels up the enthusiasm and excitement in, in the leadership role. Wow. That's great. You know, we talked a lot about relating it to internally with our employees and even potentially with our, our customers. Can you touch a little bit on the relationship with providers? And just as an example, you know, you are a consultant to business owners and to leaders. How important are these same principles when it applies to serving clients versus employees? They're so important. And I try to emulate this when I'm working with with the clients that I work with right from the beginning of, you know, first contact on a, on a sales cycle kind of thing to towards actually delivering with them, I need to be able to show them that they can trust me, that I, I'm a trustworthy individual, that what I say is, is valid, that I'm their, you know, the trusted advisor in regards to things like leadership and team development and how that will help them. Compassion. You know, I can't view my clients as just numbers because what I do is a very personal type of thing. I'm engaging with them on sometimes the deep heart motivations that they have as individuals or as teams, as organizations. And so if I'm just putting rubber stamps on things to get through the system, they're not going to feel like I care. And I, I really do care for the, my clients I work with. So I really try to emulate that. Stability, so foundational in regards to working with teams. Many teams that I work with, when they're talking to me, they have challenges in regards to their team, right? They've got interpersonal conflict. They've got people that aren't getting along on certain things, or some people are underperforming and they're trying to figure out how to help them out, all those kind of things. When I come in and provide a little bit of that foundational piece of like, we're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. It's not out of control here or, or chaos. We can, we can work with this. That gives them that stability feeling. And then hope. It's not just the here and now that I try to work with clients and like, hey, we're going to be okay now. But I paint a picture of the future. And say, hey, this is what it could be. Imagine if your team, like you said earlier, if your if your leadership was five percent more effective or ten percent more effective. Imagine if your team was functioning at that much higher of a level. What would that look like? Well, let's start going there, and that gives them that hope. That's the vision piece. Everybody wants yes. to be part of something great, and it's it's the inclusivity and and bringing it forward. And I even think. You know, in our situation, even as Vexit as a company, when we have professionals and often, you know, professionals, they want to provide value to their clients. And I'll just use, you know, a lawyer or an accountant as an example. But often there's a pressure inside their own bubble to, you know, it's about how many hours you're billing and the numbers and not enough emphasis allowed to be put on that relationship 
with the client. And, and so I'm seeing a real connection between what you do and how you could help so many professionals because, you know, professionals in their own right, they're like entrepreneurs. They have an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, they've gone to school for a long time. They have a lot to offer and they're solving people's problems. But if you don't know how to develop that relationship piece and build an authentic relationship over time, it can be all for naught. I used the term earlier, you know, the trusted advisor, right? You, you are, people hope that you're a trusted advisor when you're in professional work like that, right? When I'm talking to a lawyer, when I'm talking to an accountant, I don't want to doubt that. All those factors, like even though trust is just one of the components, all those other factors relate to how I feel about whether I'm able to trust that person. If they can provide that compassion, that stability, and that hope, I'm going to grow my trust as well. So definitely as, a, as someone who does advise other people, if you're listening to this consider how you can integrate those four principles into how you communicate, how you send your emails, how you onboard your clients. Those kind of things are all going to factor in. And there's a real journey. You know, you can't just jump to trust. We always talk about the the journey to know, like, trust. You have mm. to get known and then give people the ability to see whether or not there's a connection there. A lot of people, whether it's a, an employee or a customer relationship, it's that shared value. Do we have some sort of connection outside of what the business relationship can be? And then earn that trust over time. Invest the time and effort because we can't be all things to all people. Well, I think we're living in a world where trust has become less and less of a factor in a bad way, and it needs to be more and more of a factor. Like There's less commitments to groups, for example. I think if you look at a lot of different membership groups and a lot of different associations out there, they're having trouble, you know, getting more members coming in, right? Because it's just, uh, do I want to commit to that? Do I not want to commit to that? So I think the clearer we are with what our principles are, what our values are, where we do align with others, and we get really good at communicating that, you're going to draw those people in. You're going to draw your clients in. They're going to come to you because they're like, no, I, I get this person. I get this. I, I want to work with this person because there's there aren't people like you out there, right? If you can be that person that they click with, that's going to be worth a lot. Ben, is there anything that we haven't covered off that you know you do a lot of work for your clients and it's very interesting and, and unique? What haven't we touched on that you think would be of value to our audience? You know, I always encourage people wherever they're at, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but it's a good question for everyone to wrestle through is, I don't know if it's an official uh, theory anywhere else, but I call it my gap theory. And I take the approach that we all have a gap between where we are and where we could be. And you can use that gap theory in almost any part of who you are. You could use that gap theory in your ability to play a sport, right? I mean, that we have a gap between where we, where we are and where we could be. But in leadership, I like to ask that question. And not just leadership. I mean, just organizationally, you can, you can dig into it and say, like, who are you now? What's your influence that you're having? Where's the gaps that you have? And then let's start bridging that gap. And the important thing with the gap theory is that realistically... You actually never bridge the gap because as you start to bridge the gap, you realize that there's even more area to grow. And I don't use the gap theory as a negative thing. I use it as an exciting thing. I use it as a, hey, this this is exciting to be on this journey. So for those of you who are listening, just give yourself some time to ask that question to yourself. You know, what is the gap that I have? What's the gap in my leadership? What's the gap in my business, in my client relations, my employee relations, whatever that might be? And what can I do to start moving the needle? That 5%, that 10%, right? And even just 1%, move the needle and really see that gap go away and then also be re-realized as to where there's still more room for growth. That's just a really great way to end. And when you think about 
you know, closing that gap, the exponential results that you can get. It might be five or 10% in one area, but the end, you know, if you have employees as an example, if everybody moves their own needle a little bit more, the overall result can be that much higher. This has been such a great learning experience for me as well, Ben, and I really appreciate the work that you do. And we look forward to including some of the information that you've provided and wish you all the very best as you move forward and help businesses and people who right now need a lot of your assistance. So thank you for all the work that you do in your industry. Well, thanks for having me on, Polly. I really appreciated being able to share with you as well. Please note that the conversation in this podcast is for informational and learning purposes and does not constitute legal, financial, or business advice. The Ask of Expert podcast is a production of Exit and distributed globally by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga, Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.